Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. This is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Today, I have the privilege of having Rob Kamadari from the Commandari Group joining me today. And Rob is one of the leaders in real estate in our backyard. Rob, welcome to the program. Thank you, Mark. Good morning to you. So Rob, what made you get into real estate? I'll take you back to 1990, 1994, 1999 timeframe. I had, I had left Tiber Price and I got a newspaper out in Federal Hill, Locust Point area. So Baltimore. why did you do something This like a a tough light job, and you went to delivering newspapers. Well, I had a white-collar job at T-Bird Price, which is a great company. and still is a great company, but I, out of college, uh, my salary back in 1991 when I took the job at T-Bird Price was $17,000 a year. So I right. needed other income. So I started helping a buddy of mine deliver newspapers. So we had, they had these big agencies back then, two, 3,000 customers. So uh, one became available in the Federal Hill area in 1994. My friend introduced me to it. I looked at the numbers. It just made sense to do. So I started that, and uh, the money was great. And I, I was like, you know, I'm going to be a professional paper boy and not wear a shirt and tie. Brilliant. And as an added benefit, you got to know that neighborhood intimately, right? Well, correct. Yeah. So uh, as I'll tell you, it was November of 1994. I pulled up in my uh, brand-new Ford F-150 pickup truck, and I was at the corner of Light Street and Heath Street. And I asked myself the question as I got out of my truck, what the heck am I doing here? This is not a good-looking neighborhood. And as I looked down each street, all I saw were boarded-up windows and door frames. And I was like, you know, more houses boarded up than were lived in. Than not, yeah. Right. And so I, but I continued to deliver the papers, made the commitment, and it was time to you know, keep rolling. And so what made you decide to step into real estate? So as the days and weeks and months went by, I started to see the revitalization of Federal Hill. Nice. I started to see the the wood come, the boarded up windows come out and new windows go in, new doors go in, the formstone come down, point of brick go up. And I used to see these renovations going on and on and on, and I, I got excited about it. And I was like, I got to get into this. And I would see the same names going on the houses that were selling the houses that were being renovated. I'd see the names of the construction companies doing the renovations, and it perked my interest. So unfortunately, you know, I didn't have the confidence then to dive into full scale, but I, I, I dipped my toes into a little bit doing some flips or renovations and resales. And then finally, my wife got pregnant with our second child. And which child is this? Amanda. Amanda. Yeah. So, so, so we had a child, Robbie, in 1999, and then Amanda in 2001, 2002. That's a shame. I don't know the year to the date. Anyway, uh, so she got pregnant with her second child. As I, you know, as you can tell, I've been doing it for like seven, eight years at the time, and she wanted to go back to work. And I said, I don't want you to work. I, I will make. I will take something else on to supplement the income. So I decided to get my real estate license because of the enthusiasm and excitement I had being in the neighborhood, getting up every nice. morning. So which company did you join? I started Long & Foster. So tell me about your first deal with Long & Foster. So my first deal happened to be my newspaper manager. You know, he gave me a shot. We all need a shot. No matter what we start, no matter what we do, we need a shot. We need somebody to have a little faith and confidence in us to give us a break. So it was my newspaper manager who uh, gave me the opportunity to help him buy a house and sell his house. Brilliant. And so, you know, when you go into real estate, the first thing they say is, you know, who are the people you know? And because you're going to get deals there and you proved it. Correct. 
So, and, and in fact, the third, first three to five deals were people I was associated with in a newspaper business. So how long did you stay with Long and Foster? About a year and three months, a year and a half, something to that effect. So lots of learning at that point? Yeah, it was great. It was, it was a huge learning curve. I picked it up quick. Uh, you know, the first calendar year in the business, I sold 19 homes back then, which was pretty good. Which is huge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't great, but it was good. It was pretty good. And uh, then you went to which company? Remax. And, and I was with Remax for 10 and a half years. And what, did, what made you flip to Remax? Well, the people saw Remax as the company that, you know, the, the consummate professional was a part of. Right. You were your own boss. You were 100% commissioned. Now, you had to pay other fees, but it, it was people just saw it more as the entrepreneur, not an employee of a company. That's, Brilliant. That's what I would say. And so from uh, Remax, you went to? Keller Williams about four and a half years ago. And so Keller Williams is really known for education. So is education really important to you? Education is uh, paramount. It's just, uh, that's the one main reason I made the switch was the opportunity here at Keller Williams and the education. And the education has been far and on above, better than any of the three companies I've been a part of. So in real estate, there's, you know, you need to know how to do real estate, mm -hmm. the mechanics of it. Correct. You need to have the strategy of it. Correct then uh, the enemy really is mindset. Yourself. And the other part is, you know, that uh, mental space. Correct. So ever since I've known you, you've always been quoting books, reading books. How many books have you read about self-development? About 800. 800? Over, over the last 28 years, I would tell you. Yeah, in July of 1990, I picked up my first book, The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. Yeah, one of the hallmarks of uh, self-development. That is correct, and I have, uh, there may be a period of time over 28 years where I, I needed to take a break, but right now I read every day, every single day, anywhere. It could be 15 to 20 pages, it could be 30 or 40 pages. I was listening to this interview, uh, might have been on NPR, and it was a woman that had written a book about the self help books mm -hmm. and so the interviewer asked her you know so what's the uh, oldest self-help book that you've come across she goes well I found some scrolls that were written by a pharaoh in Egypt uh -huh. for his son so he could take over so he's like how to be a pharaoh she said yes <laughs> it was how to be a pharaoh kind of thing so uh, so give me like three pieces of advice you've picked up in those self-help books because a lot of times you know things get repeated or things that really jump out what were the three most valuable lessons you've learned that have helped your career wow uh that's it <laughs> uh, persist until you succeed uh, i would tell you that tenacity was tenacity you, you have to persist until you succeed and you got to have that determination uh you know the idea of being disciplined you know it, discipline is key to any success in any business and, and what's really interesting is discipline uh has a lot of negative connotations but if you take a look at any overnight success They've had discipline for like 10 years. Right. So it wasn't overnight. It was a culmination of time. And from the outside, it looked like it was like, hey, you got lucky. But it's, yeah. So if, you're, if you remain disciplined to anything you do, you're not going to see the success to today, tomorrow, maybe the next month or two. But in time, you build up that pressure like, like a dam, and it's going to break. And when it breaks, it breaks big. So what would be the third thing? So I said persistent to succeed, discipline, and be, uh, really, I, I think this is huge. Have an open mind and open heart. You know, that's what comes to me right now because when you read this stuff, you know, everybody's different. Everybody receives things or hears things or reads things differently. So it's a matter of interpretation. But when you have an open mind and open heart, I think it allows your, like your awareness radar 
to be open to receive anything because I, I think one of my favorite words is awareness. Yes. And if you be, you become aware of your surroundings, your environment, your state, your mental state, um, who knows what you can do? It's just unlimited. And I think one of the things that really comes out is you know what you happen to be focused on, you find. Correct. In spades. And if you've got that open heart, open mind, then you're open to whatever the other person brings. When you have your mind made up, uh, you're going to find that and miss all the other important stuff. So that openness is, is huge. Correct. I agree with you. So after reading all these books, you got the crazy notion that I should write one too. What's that experience been like? <laughs> well, actually, the crazy notion was uh, about 15 years into reading books, and uh, I just I didn't have the self confidence. You might, you know, reading f for 15 years and still not having the self confidence to write a book. I'm like, I question myself, who am I to think that I can write a book? But I remember reading that Ogmandino book, and I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is what I, I have a passion to do is help and inspire people to fulfill and, and reach their own potential because I want to reach mine. And uh, I always say to people, when, when I'm, in, when I'm in, at my funeral when I die and I'm laying in my coffin, whoever gives my eulogy, when, if they're up there and they say, Rob had all the potential in the world, I'm going to jump out of my casket and, and, and go up there and, and strangle. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I want to go with no gas left in the tank. Right. Nice. So, so writing the book, it's been difficult because I didn't have the confidence. I started, I stopped. I started, I stopped. So back in January 2017, I finally made a commitment to get up every morning at 4 a.m. and just write for 45 minutes to an hour. 45 minutes to an Brilliant. hour. Every day for Monday through, Monday, Monday through Friday. And at, at June 23rd of 2017, I wrote my last sentence. And here we are today, August 28th, and it's not published yet. So from last year to now, there's a lot of humbling um, experiences yeah. of the editing, of the feedback, and hey, you know, it's, uh, I was never a self-proclaimed writer, but I just wanted to put my thoughts and my heart on paper. So now it's about molding it and shaping it into to where, what it needs to be. Not many people know this, but the the way they found Osama bin Laden is one of the Gitmo people happened to mention he wanted to write a book, so they let him. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I give up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell funny. you where he is. Because uh, I've written a few books, and it is uh, my very first attempt at writing a book, and I'm a pretty self-confident person. An editor took me out for a coffee and got the first page of my book and color-coded it for me. Umar, did you notice... All the yellow things should be in this area, and some of them are down here. And it was such a devastating experience that I did not write for another six months. It's humbling. It's very humbling. So, Rob, the first year, how many houses did you sell? Nineteen. And how did that progress? Like, what was so, okay. before you started building a team? What height did you hit? Well, I, I, forty-two. Forty-two. So, so nineteen houses my first year. Then I jumped it to forty-two, and then in, in, you know, in the interim, I'm still had the newspaper out for another right. year or two after that, during that, and uh, I needed help. You know, they say the best time to hire somebody is when you don't need them. Yep. So when you do need them, they're there. Um, so then I, I I just jumped into my database because uh, I want to do business by referral. I jumped in my database and I asked uh, my database if they knew anybody was looking uh, looking for work. And sure enough, a friend of mine from our, my childhood years said his wife was looking to work. And uh, she had been in a real estate business before, so hired her on. And, you know, thank God she's still with me today. Brilliant. As you started growing your organization, you have to bring in other agents. Mm -hmm. Tell me what changed for you when you went from solo practitioner with maybe an admin to actually having other agents that you need to, to lead. What was that experience like and what did you learn in that experience? Well, it's good and bad. You know, the idea is to leverage your time. Leverage you, leverage your time. Uh, so the successes have been learning, 
learning along the way and learning how to be a leader along the way, which there's, I don't think there's a never-ending curve of growth to, right. to leadership. Uh, but the hard, the hard thing you have to learn or the discipline you have to, to, to take into account is, is taking the time to hire. So like they say, slow to hire, quick to fire. You right. know? And early on, I, I, I wasn't as quick to, to let go. And I still struggle with it at times. But it, the, it's, it's, it's setting the expectation up front, setting the standards, setting the boundaries up front for people to know what you expect of them. So that, that's that's been it's been a, uh, a challenge and an opportunity in the same breath. So you've made some mistakes. Absolutely. And I still make them. <laughs> I mean, it's part of part of life. Right. For somebody new coming into real estate, let's say they've reached the $5 million mark, $10 million mark and they're like, "Okay, I want to like start building a team." What would be the three pieces of advice that you wish you had when you first started? that would help them navigate this world of transition from solo practitioner to now you're a leader? I think the first thing that comes to mind is have a model and a system to use to guide you through the hiring and and interviewing process. Mm -hmm. And and I will tell you, candidly, Keller Williams has that model. Nice. And there's a program, it's called Career Visioning, there's a program that uh, walks you through the process of how to interview hire and ask the right questions to bring somebody on then in in that process there's also the questioning to determine what type of behavior attributes that person has so in asking questions right so it's the model number one two asking the right questions learning what the right questions and then are being uh, present to pay attention to what they're saying to really get a gauge of who they are exactly because you so you're listening for the cue words and their responses are they, they do they have victim language uh, or is there a level of arrogance, not confidence? You know, do they think, um, or is there entitlement there? You know, right. things like that you have to listen for. Because if, if, if I'm talking to somebody that feels entitled in an interview, I'm done. You know, if, if I'm talking to somebody who's got victim language in an interview, I'm not moving forward with that person. So I'm looking for those things in the conversation. Nice. Um, you'd ask for three. So it's two. The, um, it, it's be willing to fail. Be willing to be willing to stumble and fail along the way, and, and know that you're going to make mistakes. And when you do, just correct them. Of course, correct. Brilliant. So, what's the next milestone for you? In some degree, to step away from the not not away, but out of the everyday production of the business. Right. To to put a team together where I'm leading the team, and I'm helping. I'm building a a legacy of a team that can carry on when I leave. Not when I leave, when I want to retire at some point, but I don't know that I'll ever retire. It's more about the business can't be wrapped around Rob Commodore. If Rob Commodore gets sick, if Rob Commodore gets hurt, if Rob Commodore gets disabled, it stops. It stops right now. So I want to be able to let it run itself, a well-oiled machine, without me here. During this journey, you've come up face-to-face with your own uh, fears, anxieties, hang-ups. So tell me about one of those things you came up with that confronted you of how Rob needs to be better, whatever that is, and how did you overcome it? Like, what was that issue, and how did you overcome it? The one thing that comes to mind frequently is I want to be a better leader. Right. I want to be a better leader, and if, if I want to be a better leader, I need to learn how to lead, but i got to be willing to step out there and be uncomfortable. You know, dig into leadership books, dig into leadership systems and models, and share them with people. And sometimes it goes over well, and sometimes it doesn't. That's that's the thing that comes to mind when you ask that question. So tell me about one of the times where you were looking at implementing a new leadership strategy or tactic, and it didn't work out well, 
How did you go back and uh, kind of assess and then uh, re-attack? The, I mean, I guess what I what I look at is, is I come to the, like, we have meetings, we have weekly meetings, I come to the table and I'll bring an idea and I, I kind of look for body language, I right. kind of look for, or listen for the responses and it's twofold. One, you know, am I getting the right energy that I want and two, am I delivering the right energy? Because if I'm not bringing it, I, how can I expect it? So that that's important to me. So I, I guess... You know, a, a, a specific example I'm you know, struggling with right now. Okay. The reason I, I like this conversation is uh, what I'm hearing from you is you've got a set of expectations for the people that you hire. Mm-hmm. And in our conversations, you're demonstrating I'm doing the same thing. I'm always learning. I'm always testing. I'm always improving. Confronted by my failures, but I don't take it as a failure. I take it as a opportunity. I got a opportunity to learn some more, come back at it. So you're modeling what you want them to do. Well, yeah. So, and I the, the the best example I can give you is when I go on a listing appointment and I don't get the listing. Right. I call the customer up or the, the potential customer and I ask the question, "What could I've done better to earn your trust or earn your business?" When you ask that question, you open yourself up to humility. Right. But it's an opportunity to learn and grow. So every failure, every challenge is an opportunity, and I look at it that way. They call it the silver lining. There's something to learn from everything you do, whether it's a failure or success. What can we learn from this today? So, Rob, what's your biggest fear? As you lead this team, what's the thing you're hoping doesn't happen or could happen? That I want people to buy into the the systems and the models and my philosophies. And in doing so, this will be a successful team. So don't get wrong, I'm not leaving anytime soon. Right. But I, I want to leverage myself and my time to build the team bigger, stronger, and power, more powerful. Brilliant. And I think that's one of the things as leaders, uh, whether you're a leader or just a, a person in a team, whatever that fear is, we need to get through it. And to get through it, you need to identify it. Rob, thanks for being uh, on the program and opening up your soul to let us uh, help other people get better, stronger, faster. Thank you so much for having me, Umar. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 